feeling like I'm enjoying magic and interested in magic again for the first time in a while, which is mostly good. <laughs> yeah, well, considering like two weeks ago you were uh, not about anything. I was fully planning to quit. I was fully like played that, that the good games thing and was like, yep, that was my last hurrah. I'll probably play next season of good games, but mostly for like socializing more than anything. You know, maybe I'll do one or two drafts. And then and then you put that message in being like, oh, I can never do a couple of drafts. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do, I'll do one. And like by the end of Friday, I'd done like five drafts or something. Mm. Well, I, I think I was up to my fourth one by the time I got to that Friday night. So you have all, I, I give you the benefit of the doubt for, you know, passing over this stuff with magic. It's like, oh, you know, I'll put the game down or I'll I'll move on or, you know, I'll quit or whatever. This you, You're smart enough to know that that's not how it works. I quit for a bit last year. Quit for a while last year when just every format was bad. Um, did you quit or did you stop playing? I uh, I stopped playing. I stopped listening to podcasts. I stopped watching coverage. I mean, I don't watch coverage anyway at this point. Yeah, there's no reason to watch fucking coverage at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually enjoying Limited. I'm enjoying Limited and I'm playing Ranked, which normally I don't do. I normally play Best of Three. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yep. Best of Three is better than Best of One. Correct. Um, but because I've been playing so much on my phone on just, like, trains and stuff and just, you know, that sort of thing. Best of One's much more convenient, especially because this format's so slow. Mm. Like, best of three match, you actually need a good 40 minutes or something set aside. Mm. <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of best of one, which means I'm playing ranked. It means now I'm, like, platinum one now, I'm like, halfway through platinum one. So mythic seems achievable. Yeah, of course which, it is. Like, it is, but it's also... You know, so from here it's plus, I think I need 23 more wins, like net wins from here. Mm-hmm. Possibly it's a little bit lower than that, depending on if you get the losses at the right time, right? Like if you get the losses when you drop down. Mm-hmm. But like 23 net wins is actually quite a lot once you're... Is it? Well, okay. So even if you, you have a like 67% win rate, which I don't, I don't think I do. Especially not like in platinum and then diamond. That's you still have to play like seventy matches to get twenty three net wins, seventy games, which is another you know. Why would you need you need to win twenty three and you've got a sixty six percent win rate? No, but you need sorry you need to win twenty three more than you lose. So like you have to net twenty three. Because like uh, you, get a, yeah, sure, you sure. get like a rank every time you win one, but you lose it when you lose one. So you have to like win 23 more times than. So you have to go 23 and 0 or 46 yeah. and 23 or whatever. But, like, but if you're at six, so, but if you're at 66% win rate, wouldn't that mean that you only need to win? Like you, if you're at 66 and that held, you'd only need to play 39 matches, right? Because, oh, no, you're right. No. You're actually right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I am tired. You're actually correct. <laughs> yeah, maths is hard. Yeah, no, you have to play like 70 games. Yeah. It's actually like, yeah. you know, probably at least 10 drafts. Probably probably a bit, yeah, probably about 10 drafts, right? Yeah. Which well, is like 40. actually a decent amount. 
Oh, I suppose it's best of seven. It's not best of three. Yeah, I'm so stuck in best of three. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do a best of yeah, three. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, but you can't only, play ranked. You can't do a best of three because ranked. Yeah, anyway, so in my mind. Wow, you got me excited then. Yeah, uh, I wish. Yeah, in my mind, because I blazed, because I was bronze four, because I haven't touched a ranked game in, you know, half a year. Uh, in Fair. my mind, I blazed through bronze, silver, gold with pretty well. And then they get you because that slows down because you start playing against people who know what they're doing. Draft good deck, especially because you don't draft against people from the same rank. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. By the time you get to platinum and diamond, everyone has good decks because half of their pod didn't know what they were doing. I've played against so many green decks and also is it decks. And I think it's because the better players are, are realizing that those are, I think, the better color combinations, but then they're not drafting with good players who also know this. So just, like, the bronze player in your pod is far more likely to end up in, like, black-white or red-white or whatever. Yeah, of course. Because of course. they don't know. So it's, like, even more likely that you play against... You don't get as much of the, like, self-balancing that draft is meant to have. Yeah, 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 of course. Because it's not pod play. But yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, I haven't uploaded last week's episode yet. I won't do that as soon as we're done with this. Um, Very good. Which means then I'll have something to listen to tomorrow, which is good. Very good. So talk to me about your drafts. You've you've done a few more than I have. Obviously, you're playing best of ones, so I don't know how much that has in, uh, like put impact on critical picks. But yeah, yes. you've already you've already said that you think that Tima oh, and. Uh, do, we, do you want to do an intro first? Do we want an intro, or, or do you just want? To... Oh shit! Whatever. Go for like... it. <laughs> um, I suppose we're six minutes in. That's that's a record for us. Yeah, that's very good for us. Well, I just feel like if we're gonna have serious discussions, we should put that after the intro. Normally, the bit before is just us goofing around and telling stories. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. Hello and welcome to the Faction Podcast. My name's Ian. I'm back after a few weeks off now. And tonight I'm joined by Trent. I'm still here. Yeah. I think you've been in you've been in every episode now, right? Never gonna leave. <laughs> it's just the two of us tonight. Can't get can't get rid of me. No. <laughs> I think I think it'd fall apart. I think if you missed a week, this whole podcast would just fall apart and there wouldn't be an episode no. that week. Well, no need to fear. The two me- the two weeks I've missed is the two weeks we haven't recorded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Trent went. Oh, I can't do this weekend. We all went. Nah, it'll be alright. We'll just skip it. Yeah, anyway. So this week obviously is the release, or has been the release of Strixhaven, or I think technically the pre-release of Strixhaven, but really it's all the same online. So Trent and I have been feverishly drafting over the weekend. I've done twelve drafts now. How about you, Trent? Uh, I'm at six, but I've been doing the best of threes as opposed to best of ones. Yes, I've been doing best of one because I've been playing a lot on my phone since that's now a thing we can do. So I've been playing on the train to to work or I went to the football on Saturday and played on the way in and out, that sort of thing. Got in like a game at halftime because halftime is 20 minutes. So, Which means I've been playing ranked best of one just because... It's a lot easier to fit in a game, a best of one game, is what I found. Especially, we'll get to this later, I think this format's fairly slow. So having to set aside sort of like a full 40 minutes, potentially, for a best of three has 
then a bit more difficult than playing best of one, which does change things for sure. I suppose let's Continue. just let's just I suppose let's just dive straight in then. What have been your initial impressions of this format, Trent? Uh, I, th- I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's overly quick, but I am a little more hesitant to make a final judgment on the drafts because we've seen this similar to Kaldheim where the first couple of weeks everybody was all about the snow decks and uh, drafting all the dual-coloured snowlands, three, four colours, being really slow, getting some kind of big endgame win condition going, and then you know, maybe maybe three and a half, four weeks into the format, people started realising the Battlefield Raptor were, and Tormentor's Helm and these really aggressive cards were actually really, really good. So, by the and by the time Cull Time had left and shake it, like, really shook out, it, it was... Um, there was many, many uh, ways that you could actually traverse the format. Yeah, for sure. That's and definitely something I would expect to change. We're recording on a Monday night. It's been four days since the set released. so Yeah, and I think that obviously my bias is towards um, trying to stay open in the draft. I probably pick dual lands higher than others, and I, therefore I've got maybe a little bit of a greedier deck with more powerful cards. And generally, earlier on in formats, that shines the the either raw rate or just the higher powered cards are the ones that shine through before everybody's got their, you know, fingers on the pulse of how to draft like the black white aggro deck or the red white aggro deck in in these formats. Yeah, for sure. I so I tend to do the same. I'll try and stay really open. And for me, the guiding thing is the gold cards in a set like this. It, because with only five viable color combinations, really, it's possible we'll find out later that there are some weird off-color, off-guild decks, but I there's often not in these sorts of sets, if we think about Ravnica sets and things like that, means that there's so much importance on finding your lane and getting rewarded for it, because if you can get into, with, with five, theoretically, five combinations and eight drafters, at least two of the color combinations will only have one drafter. And if you can get in one of those color combinations, you get really rewarded with a lot of the powerful gold cards. Mm-hmm. I will say I have been biasing towards green, Teamer in general, but especially green and, and Simic um, in particular has been really good, often with a splash, because the Simic ramp deck is reasonably good at enabling those splashes. And that's certainly where most of my success has come. But as you say, it's possible we figure out these aggro decks later on into the format. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and have you? You've obviously been finding a reasonable amount of success with the like, the, the three colored decks. Yeah. So, as I said, I've done twelve drafts now. I've got to seven wins with four of them, and three of those were Simic or Quandrix, I guess, decks. Two of them with a very light red splash for both decks had two cards, two red cards with some cultivates or the two mana ramp spell emergent sequence, which is the one that searches for a land and then turns it into a fractal and puts some counters on it. On it. And yeah, so a light splash of red or one of them had a light splash of white, but really focused on that 
that ramp plan. The third deck I did well with and got to seven wins was actually a red-white aggro deck. So despite us talking about how bad the aggro decks are or how we at least haven't seen them be good, I did get to seven wins. I will say it was not a very impressive deck. It had, I think I wrote it, it had one rare and three uncommons in it. So really just like a pauper deck and honestly the uncommons weren't very good in the deck. But what I found was that I think there's something to Guiding Voice, which is the single white common that puts a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control, and then you learn. Sure. This card's really good with... Well, so there's a few things it's good with. It's obviously really good with Lawhold Pledge Mage, which is the three mana first strike, two, two, and it gets plus one, plus oh, whenever you trigger its Magecraft ability. So it's really good with that, because the 3-3 first strike attacks really well. But it's also really good with the Flyers, which I think are really important in this format. Evasion is has been really important, and I've seen a lot of games won or lost by Flyers, essentially, because these aggro decks, the ones that I've seen, both in black-white and red-white, haven't had the blazing speed of other aggro decks. I actually don't think... I think the only 3-power 2-drop, common or uncommon, in the set is... The is it pledge mage which has yeah, defender? Mari, yeah, Mari. Thank you. Which has defender. So the decks aren't really built on like curving out aggressive two drops. You have to find reach somehow, and in my experience, often that's come from flyers, and then putting counters on them as often as not. Okay, yeah, that that, that makes that makes sense. Um, I will say that flying hasn't been a huge component to my successes so far but like i said it's very early on um Hmm. i've generally started like i said before i generally pick creatures based on rate a lot higher than other creatures early on in the format so you mentioned prismari pled mage the three mana two two have been extremely impressed by that card um two mana two mana sorry yeah sorry two two mana three three yeah (laughs) Um, other cards that I've been pretty impressed by, um, just base, like, just like kind of like common and uncommon rate monsters. So Professor of Zoomancy, the four mana, four, three, that puts a one into play, a one, one into play, um, with a, with a bloom pledge mage, the five mana, five, five, like literally Colossipede. I mean, anybody like, I love Colossipede, so I've actually quite liked that card. Um, and I've actually tended to go... I end up in Sultai more, I think, than, than the others. Um, mm-hmm. But I have been impressed with the Golgari cards quite a bit. I've actually had, <laughs> I've actually had the Demigoth Titan three of my six drafts, <laughs> uh, and that thing is fucking messed up. That that thing is not a reasonable card. Yeah, so this is the this is one of the rares. There's a cycle of these. They cost four hybrid mana. So this one, it's all green-black hybrids. And it is an 11-10 for four mana. And when it attacks or blocks, you sacrifice a creature. I've also drafted this card, I think, three times. And it keeps getting passed to me, like, mid-pack. I'll get it to, like, pick four, pick five. And I'm not... It always surprises me. Yeah, it it's... um. I mean, it, you just have to look at it. It's an absolute... It's one of the best rate monsters we've ever seen for limited for its stats. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that beats yeah. it on rate. 
Uh, And it's got some insanely good little combinations that you can make with in the Golgari setting. And even with the Simic um, setting, there's the... God, what's his name? It's the three mana two two that makes a one one. You yep, put a one one condition. Yeah, so there's just like a bunch of little things that you can do to really enable it. That card's been really, really impressive. Um, there was a couple of matches. I think side by side, I had ten the pests with the card as well with the eleven ten, and that's a super sweet combo. Just like obviously making eleven one ones is pretty damn good even if it's uh, you know two cards to make 11 one ones is is pretty sweet yeah so 10 the pests is a golgari so a black and a green for an instant and you sack a creature and you get one one pests equal to the creature's power so pests are one ones and when they die you gain a life they're the sim they're the golgari or with a bloom rather token yeah that is a lot of one ones i've found you mentioned the Witherbloom Pledge Mage, which is the 5 by 5 5 and also whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you gain a life, which plays into Witherbloom's other theme. So Witherbloom sort of has two themes in my experience. It has, like, the sacrifice theme, which we touched on, and also a life gain theme. But I found that just the Colossipede body is so important because there's a lot of 4-power and 4-4 four, four creatures in this format. Yep. yep. So Absolutely. the 5-5 five five is just huge. It also dodges the cheaper really efficient red removal that people are obviously taking and putting in their deck like you're always going to play the three mana deal three the three mana deal four you're always going to play those cards and obviously this just it beats lightning bolt and shock as well so um yeah i've been pretty impressed with it early on uh i'm generally always impressed by the the on rate reasonable cards at the start of the format so we'll see how it shakes out but yeah, that's generally where my concepts have been, and, and it's been it was really good for me. I think I've um, 3.05, and I one-toed, I one-toed uh, one of them with, I want to say it was, I think it was blue, red, splashing whites. So what's that, Jess guy? And it was reasonable, but just didn't come together. Yep. On the topic of functionally vanilla not that not that with bloom pledge mage's ability doesn't come up it does it is an enabler for some of the decks but the big thing is just the body i've been very impressed by a couple of the fractal spells i'm thinking specifically of the lesson which is x and then two quandrix hybrids so blue or green to make an xx there's also a six mana spell that makes a creature equal to the number of lands you control yeah, I've quite, I've, I, I uh, definitely agree with them. I've both seen them be uh, quite good, and a lot of pros. Seth Manfield's very high on those cards. Also, uh, I've watched Seth draft a few times, and he's very high on Serpentine Curve, which is the four mana sorcery that creates a zero zero green blue fractal mm-hmm. creature token, and you put a one one put one one counters on it equal to the total number of instances of sorceries you own in exile in your graveyard. Yeah, plus uh, plus one. So X plus one, it, yeah. It, essentially, it counts itself. Which yeah, of course, yeah. So uh, that's an interesting one because that to me was felt like a little bit of a trap, but seeing that play out fairly consistently and fairly easily is is uh, quite interesting to me in the ways of uh, the depth of the format. Yeah, I think that card's interesting because it it reads similarly to other cards we've seen in the past that call out the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. And the problem with those cards traditionally has been it's hard to pack 
a ton of instants and sorcerers in your deck, but what this format does is that lesson lets you artificially increase that count. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that makes a big difference. And I've also been reasonably impressed by that. I also think, so far at least, my experience of this format is it's been fairly slow. And so making a huge creature with no other abilities has been surprisingly good as a way of eventually breaking through board stalls and just going bigger than your opponent. Yeah, totally agree. And and that again, that just comes back to my uh my bias of, of and I suppose like small successes in the format so far of just good rate creatures. They they generally always shine through for those kind of uh consistencies going long. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Your five your five mana five five is is a very good draw on turn nine or turn ten or what have you, as opposed to whatever other rubbish people are putting in their deck. For sure. What's been interesting for me is that all these board stalls have, at least for me, increased the importance of being able to break these board stalls. So for me, for example, one of the cards I've been quite impressed by, which I didn't have very high initially, was Wormhole Serpent. So this is a 5-mana 3-5, and you can pay 4-mana to make a creature unblockable this turn. Sure. I've definitely lost a few matches to this. I've also lost... So I talked earlier about flying, and you haven't you said had this same experience exactly, but what I've found is that the blue-green decks that go really big are great at gumming up the board, especially with, like, big fractals. And the games that I lose to the white decks especially are mostly the ones where I die to 2-1 Spirits or Combat Professor, which is a really good common, which mm. is a, the 4-mana 2-3 flyer, and... At the beginning of combat on your turn, you give a creature you control plus one, plus zero on Vigilance. So it mm-hmm. taxes a 3-3 three, three flyer with like kind of pseudo-haste and you it's can move haste, that point yeah. of power around a little bit. For example, putting it on First Strikers, stuff like that. So that's how I've found that those white decks have to finish the game because the green decks especially are so good at just filling the board and the black-green decks yeah. especially put a bunch of pests on the ground and it's really hard to get through. And there's a lot of life gain. There's a lot of incidental life gain in this set. Yeah, I think I think the the term you're chasing Ian is defensive speed. I think there's a ton of defensive speed in this format, and it applies to Izzet as well. Mainly um, with the Pledge Mage, the I've been really really impressed with almost all the Pledge Mages that I've played. But the obviously the two mana three three is just an absolute house. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I think all of the Pledge Mages are good. So the as we said, the blue red one is a two mana three three with Defender. The red-white one, Lawhold, we've talked about a bit, is the 2-2 first strike of a 3 that gets plus 1, plus 0 on Magecraft. The green ones are 2 two, Sorry, the green-blue one is a 2-2 for 3 that gets a counter on Magecraft triggers. The black-white one is the one I have played the least of. So it's a 3-mana, three 3-1, three and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it either gains flying or lifelink. Your choice. Flying appeals to me, and I've seen a lot of arguments that say, basically... Lifelink and Flying don't overlap that much when they're good. So Lifelink's really good in races and on empty boards, but then once your opponent has blockers, the ability to give it Flying and have that choice is good, but I haven't really played with it. Okay. This discussion of Flying has led us to, I know, a disagreement we've already had, which is that I think Scurred Colony is one of the more important green commons. This is the 2-mana 2-2 with Reach, and it gets plus two, plus two if you control four or more lands. So my argument for it is that 
I like having some defensive speed. I don't think you need a ton of two drops in these decks, but it is nice to have a two drop, and it's nice to have a two drop that, especially in blue green, is relevant later on because you will hit eight land drops. But I've also just found that the reach is so important. There's so many two two flyers or two power flyers in this format, and a four four walls all of them, and even a two two just gives you some defensive speed against those evasive decks. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's obviously it's it's a very good include for the Simic decks. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a very good in that deck, which is not so much a disagreement because that's basically exactly what I said about the card. Um, I'm just not sold on it in uh, Golgari because Golgari I feel is very tied up at the lower end with trying to make. Uh, like a bunch of pests and trying to do other things with its mana. Whereas with blue green, it's actually like there's a bunch of commons that allow you to put lands on the battlefield, um, a bunch of uncommons that do the same thing. Green black isn't trying to achieve that, unless you're obviously splashing, which in that case, you're obviously still a green blue deck trying to get to eight lands, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, it is definitely uh, been quite a reasonable little two drop for me. I do find that there are a there's just a la large amount of very reasonable commons and uncommons that have uh that play roles or actually uh play roles or role fillers in the format um that is definitely one of them as well it's like i said it's one of those things where the aggro decks need to work out how to play around these cards uh more so than these cards just being in play because the card does what it what it says and it and the format lends itself to it whereas we're not sure where the aggro decks are in regards to how they lend themselves to the format or how they're supposed to play so i think over the next couple of weeks hopefully the aggro decks will people will figure out how to build these aggro decks better and if they're actually viable because my take on red white was that it actually wasn't supposed to be an aggressive deck um a lot of the better cards in red and white don't actually read aggressive to me at all. They're either two-for-ones with removal spells attached to them or reasonable rate monsters or cards that have learn removal spells. Um, cards like Pilgrim of the Ages are like a mid-range card that obviously there's a two-for-one as it gets yourself a, a planes. Pillar Drop Rescuer is a uh, five-mana two-two flyer that returns a, your three-drop to your hand. So you're, you're not really trying to be aggressive in my uh, overall like examination of and playing against red white the red white aggro decks i have played against i've been thoroughly unimpressed by so far yeah so i agree i think red white is meant to be more grindy and where you end up with red white aggressive decks is that so the white commons some of them are aggressive so eager first year for example is not a particularly good card it's just a no. bear that gets plus one plus oh but it's it's in that somewhat aggressive mold but the key is that that is actually a silver quill card. So the black-white archetype, I think, is meant to be aggressive with a little bit of a counters theme. Yeah, I agree. And in my experience, the way... So, for example, this red-white deck that I got seven wins with, it was basically a white deck, and then it had mostly red for Lawhold Pledge Mage, and you can do some things with Twin Scroll Shaman, which is the one-two double strike for three. Yeah. And those are like, and then maybe some red removal, but you're basically a base white deck. It just happens that Lawhold Pledge Mage is this card that fits well in these kind of Magecraft aggressive decks. Sure. But you're right, and I think it's really obvious when you look at the uncommons that 
law hold is meant to be controlling. So if we, we go through the uncommons, you have Quintorius, which is the five, this is the legendary, so it's five mana, two, four, and it makes your spirits get slightly bigger, plus one, plus zero, oh, but it, it makes these three twos when you have cards leave your graveyard, which is a weird, grindy thing. Reconstruct History is like a four mana, Mm, up potentially four. draw four, but it's it's returned an artifact, an enchantment, instant sorcery, and a planeswalker theoretically. But so it like is card advantage, and it triggers like your Quintorius, and but it's clearly just such a slow grindy card. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just like I said uh, the the more the more people get in depth with this format, it's it's going to take a while for these for these less fleshed out decks like. The green blue deck it's very on paper every card is is on paper they read well they play well it's not hard to to figure out that green blue is is uh is a good deck in my opinion this could be completely different somebody somebody might have a completely different take like um dogan might be able to pit, uh, look at the red white cards and go bang 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 and put them all together but i mean i, I obviously can't do that and i'm going back on obviously what i said with Caltime before and this feels much the same to me yeah, I agree. I think the the blue green decks, even the blue, sorry, the blue green decks really build themselves in that they're very clearly ramp decks. And you put ramp cards in, you put in cards that call out having eight or more lands. You put in some big top end. I mean, the, one of the gold uncommons is draw two, and then you can put a land in play, right? Like it's it's just value and some acceleration. Whereas the red white cards. I think there is some synergy there, but it's it's harder to unlock, I would say. What, I think, uh, oh, go ahead. Go. I was just going to say, I think part of the problem with that is that this this theme of exiling things from your graveyard or cards leaving your graveyard isn't very well supported at common. I remember seeing this, because I remember having a draft where I had two Quintoruses. In fact, that deck I went 7-0 with, had a second Quintorius on the sideboard, but my deck just had no ways to trigger it. It's because at common, the only ways to trigger it, as far as I'm aware, are Illustrious Historian, which is a 2-1, and then you can pay 5 to exile from your graveyard and get a 3-2, which is, like, a nice mana sync, I guess. But, like, you know, it's not like a synergy piece where you're, you know, really excited to, like, combine it or whatever. Stone Rise Spirit, which is a two mana one two flyer, and you can pay four and exile a card from your graveyard to give another creature flying, which I've seen be okay just because I think flying is all right, but it's just understated. And again, four mana is way too much to pay for your like synergy deck. And the last one is Tome Shredder, which is the three mana two two with haste, and you can tap it and exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, and you put a plus one plus one counter on it. I've seen this card be pretty good, mostly in blue red with lots of spells. Which is the other problem. Like, it doesn't really fall to the red-white decks. Yeah, it's not a red-white card. Yeah, so it's this this theme that, like, looks like it's there and is called out on a few cards of cards leaving your graveyard. It doesn't seem like there's that many ways to enable it, especially at common. Mm. i put you on the spot. What, uh, what are your top three hits so far? What are the, what are the three cards that have impressed you the most? Uh, impressed or over impressed? Like, like, well, either way, overperformed to compare comparative to what you thought. Uh, so this one has been going around on social media, this first one, and is rapidly not a secret anymore. But Barry, un, Barry in books, Barry under books, Barry in books, Barry in books, 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 yes, is much better than it looks. So it's a five mana 
put a creature second from the top, and it costs two less if it targets an attacking creature. So, firstly, as defensive speed, on turn three, just putting... Like, if you're on the draw, on turn three, just putting their three-drop back in their deck is actually quite low defensive speed, especially for a low deck that don't play two-drops. It unconditionally deals with anything big for a couple turns. There's a lot of things that put counters on top of cards. So obviously hitting a fractal is incredible or any token, but also there's things like the go- the Witherbloom, sorry, common, the three mana 2-2 two, two menace that gets a counter mm-hmm. whenever you gain life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Putting that back when it has two or three counters just does so much to minimize that card. It also is surprisingly cheap when you're using it defensively, so right, it's it's primarily a three mana spell. It's primarily a three mana spell when you use it defensively like that, which makes it easier double spell, but then it can be used proactively. I just found it's been really it's been really, really good. Sorry, my phone just went off. I have no idea who was calling me. I know, everybody heard it. It's fine. Yeah. That doesn't even that's not even an Australian number. Fourth. All right, so you've got you've got Barry and Books. Yeah, so Barry and Books is, is probably number one. I'm trying to not make this list just a list of Simic cards. <laughs> no, I mean it's you know you can you can only say what you think. I mean you don't have to uh, appeal to the masses; just appeal to what your what your brain says. Um, I'm just sort of looking through decks to think about. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by Field Trip. Yep. So it's a three-mile ramp spell, three-mile search for a forest put in play. Been quite good. And then you learn. And what I've discovered is that in these ramp decks, learn is very close to draw a card because you don't mind paying a bit more mana because you're a ramp deck. So, like... Fractal summoning is very good. That's the X and then two to make an XX. You, it's a little bit overcosted, but you're a ramp deck, so you really just want a payoff. So it is both ramp and a payoff. Similarly, if you have environmental sciences, which is two mind to go get a basic and gain two, it's like a bad cultivate, but often you can find a find room for that two mana and it enables the splash. And the the. And the last card I'd say is Guiding Voice. So I talked about this briefly before, but it's single white, put a counter on, and then learn. This card, I think if there is an aggro deck, this is the key to it. Just giving you more spells, especially in combination with Expanded Anatomy. So there's kind of of two cards, which is three mana, it's a lesson, it's colorless, put two counters on a creature and it gains Vigilance until end of turn. That's so much power to put around and it curves nicely and... I think it just lets you build these large creatures, especially if they already have evasion, that can just punch well above their weight, especially, I mean, the best example, as I mentioned, is Lawhold Pledge Mage, putting on something with First Strike, but there are other creatures with flying, or there's a few menace creatures, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you have any cards that stand out as have been very... Good for you, possibly more so than expected. Um, 
I've been impressed by Berrien Books, but I already thought it was pretty high. Uh, I have been impressed by Field Trip, and I wasn't sure how it would play. Um, Field Trip and Pop Quiz have both been extremely good for me. Mm. Um, I'm just scrolling through at the moment, just trying to see what really stands out. Mage Jewel's obviously been great, but it re- again, it's one of those green-blue cards that just reads great. I've actually played uh, Main Deck Test of Talents a few times, which is the negate that uh, you can strip a card from their hand and uh, from their hand graveyard or library, and then they can draw an extra copy. Yeah, like for... surgicals, the spell you counter essentially. Yeah, for what? It, yeah, so it's both good to negate with. Uh, and that card's been quite good. I've actually found that to be um, pretty impressive. It's like there's so many learn cards and so many um, yeah yeah just so many instants and sorceries that it's been quite good. Um, being overly impressed with bookworm i think bookworm is a nuts bookworm wormhole. is fantastic it's the best Worm- payoff yeah agreed uh wormhole serpent i have been impressed by i think that card is quite good uh snow day has been okay for me which is the six mana uh double frost breath and then you draw two discard one i've liked that card quite a lot yeah so what i found with that card because i keep drafting it and then it sometimes barely makes my deck i've it's been very good when it's been cast against me, and when you cast it, it's very good. What I found is that the is it decks especially, but even the blue. So you're either with blue, you're either in Quandrix or you're in Prismari, right? So you're either generally a blue green ramp deck or a blue red deck with some amount of big spell synergy. And I found that it's difficult for me to find room for this six mana spell because there's so much other good top end. So in Prismari especially, I think. Elemental something, I think it is, or the the seven mana yep. spell seven that makes two four, two four fours, fours. Yep. is so good. It's actually very good in my experience, and it competes with this six mana double frost breath. Okay, uh, I would. Well, I would uh, pressure you to put it in your deck more, as every time I've played it, it's been fantastic. Hmm. That's fair. I think it's cool. I mean, it might just be a, a, an oversight, but I've yeah, I've been quite impressed by it every time I've cast it. Uh, no. The fact that the fact that it it replaces itself plus plus one allows you to loot on the second mm. one is is quite good. I'm very excited about it. I currently have an Ezra deck drafted and ready to play after this that has a snow day in, and I think it looks really good. I've just found sometimes that I end up with like three elemental masterpieces, and it's like I don't really want another six drop as well on top of that. Sure, I, I would probably just play one over. Ele- I, I think it may be better than Elemental Masterpiece. Okay, fair enough. And I think the curve with Izzet is pretty reasonable too, because it's generally like a basic curve. It's like Prismari played Mage on two into uh, common whatever three four, and then on turn five you're making a four four somehow, and so you have like some amount of raw stats, be it three three four four, and then any combination of your three and four drop. Yeah, and then think... obviously frostbite, like you just get a massive tempo boost of of just having better stats than your opponent makes it hard for them to attack, and then obviously you can get really good tempo off the off the double frost breath for sure. Another card I've now looked through the list as you were doing. One of the cards that's really stood out to me has been Campus Guide, which Campus is, Guide. This is the two minor artifact creature. It's okay, two one, and when it comes into I play, was... you can. Yep. Go ahead, go ahead. You, go when ahead. it comes into play, you can search for a basic and put it on top of your library. It's a May ability. What were you going to say about this card? Well, I was going to ask you about this card and what you thought of it. So, I've liked it 
I wouldn't ever play more than two. I'm not even very happy with the second one, but I've just found that I still want to exp- I still want to respect aggro decks. So I need some two drops. I need probably you know four plays maybe on two. There's not that many great two drops. Prismari Pledge Mage is really really good. I quite like Scarred Swarm. There's not a ton past that. And what I found is that especially these blue green decks, they just want to keep hitting their land drops. They just want to hit like three, four, potentially even five land drops. And especially the blue green decks, they have so many ways to make up that card advantage again. Even just the blue green gold card at common that's, as I said, draw two, put a land in play, just makes up for any amount of sort of card disadvantage so long as you hit your lands. Okay. Interesting. I definitely haven't rated it very highly. Um, and like I said, I've been drafting two, three color decks. I have seen people play it, but it's uh, it's still one that I need to play around with a bit more. It's interesting that you say that there's not a lot of good two drops because I'm kind of in the opposite um, bank. I actually think there's a lot of good two drops. Interesting. Which I mean, two drops? I think, like, I mean, a lot of them are... I suppose more more of them are uncommons and rares, but they're all playable. They're all quite good. Yeah, um, sorry. I'm thinking primarily at common. There's a decent number of uncommon ones that are very good, and I don't know enough of the rares. Yeah, I just think... So this is a this is a, a, a tribal set, or a, a guild set, sorry, which means that if you're drafting correctly and you're reading the signals of the draft, you will have some number of uncommons, and there's multiple cycles of two-mana of the two mana gold cards in in each each guild, obviously. So if you're doing it correctly, then you should end up with some number of the uncommon two drops. And I think that some number of the two of the uncommon two drops plus the good commons in the the good common two drops kind of makes you have a lot of flexibility and a lot of options when it comes to actually playing two drops. And so Campus Guide for me just hasn't even come close to being playable. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not. I'm not definitely not saying that it's not playable. Like I said, I actually want to experiment with it and see if it is good because this effect uh, previously hasn't been good. These cards have not been good, if not if not even playable. So it'd be interesting to see how good this is. I think it you you might be onto something with it being obviously in the green blue deck where you just want to hit your land drops and everything. Um, and maybe this card is. I mean, I'm I'm not actually not that interested in playing this in like a two color deck. Full stop. Outside of green blue, if I don't have more ways to like draw more cards or impact the board early. Yeah, and I don't think it's a good card. But I came in assuming it would be basically unplayable, as you say. Most of the previous versions of this card have been, and it's been like surprisingly a solid C maybe and I'm definitely colored by the fact that I'm playing these blue green decks that often have multiple I've had decks with like up to three of Eureka moment which is the four yeah. mana draw two put a card in and that, and that really makes up for it I yeah, do think sure, sure, even sure. in the non blue green decks the the learn sort of helps because there's this inbuilt card advantage at uh inflated mana rate in a lot of decks that a lot of decks have access to and also as i say i've been playing a lot of two color decks with a light splash which it helps enable sure but sure. 
You do make a good point, though, and that's a key thing to think about when you're drafting this set, which is that your primary motivation when you're drafting is to find the open seat and then get paid off with all of the uncommon gold cards because there are a lot of them. And they're all very good. Like, obviously, outside of, like, some straight Fs, a lot of the two drops are just almost straight bombs or, you know, just extremely game-walking game walking cards. Cards like uh, Silver Quill... Uh, sorry, no, uh, Quandrix Apprentice, uh, Pr- mm. Prismari Apprentice, like, uh, D- mm-hmm. Dean as a Soul Steeper. These cards are phenomenal, and they cost you two mana. Yeah. I actually think... This is one of the reasons I think Blue-Green is so good and Quandrix is so good is that it has the best apprentice. So these are the two mana two these are the two mana bears for gold, one of each colour, and then they all have a magecraft ability. So the Quandrix one is look at the top three, put a land into your hand. So it just draws cards because these especially with the Quandrix text, but also in general in this format, there's lots of mana things. You just want to keep hitting lands, which is a bit reminiscent of some of the Zendikar form. Like recently with Zendikar Rising we had that a little bit. And with Cold Time we had that. You just kind of wanted to keep hitting a lot of land drops. But Quandrix also has the best of the legendary uncommon creatures, in my opinion. In Jalone. Sure. Yeah. That card's completely absurd. So two mana, one, two, and it has two abilities. So one and tap, you can put a land from your hand into the battlefield tap, so it helps ramp you early on. And then four and tap, draw a card, or if you control eight or more lands, you draw two, which is in the board stalls that I've been in, these where we both have lots of lands, this is completely game-breaking. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the, the Yeah, the Quandrix, the, the Quandrix guy, the 2-mana two 2-2 two, two, is just the, semi, the, sem, the same card as Nessium Wanderer, which was in uh, Theros Return. Mm-hmm. What was that called? Theros, Theros Return? Beyond Death? Beyond Death. There you go. Yeah, that one. And uh, yeah, that card was the nuts in that that format. And this is just yeah. extre- you know the split the spitting image. You'd probably rather have it be a one three than a two two. Um, you would. I think this but, one's easier to trigger, especially with learn. Uh sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably you're probably right. You're definitely right. Yeah. But it is the same thing. It's just this, like it comes down on the other side of the battlefield from you. And if you're not playing an aggressive deck, I just sigh. I just it's like. It's even if I kill it, it's going to draw probably like two cards. It's going to it's going to it's going to replace like, itself at the very least, and that's miserable. We yeah, two drop. It's just so going the other way. What cards have you not been impressed by? I've actually got a couple, but I'll let you go first. Well, let's start with yours because oh, I, I need to, to have a look through. Well, I need to have a look through. So let's start with you. What are the cards okay. that have so, been disappointing for you? The card, the, the single most disappointing card that has just been wildly unimpressive and i've tried it a few times and just ended up i basically ripped it up if i could have ripped it up online i would have it's witherbloom command it has a four four modes and none of them do anything (laughs) i've only drafted this card once and did not make my deck It, it is it just i don't know um yeah just a bunch of spots that never works i have to read the card multiple times the one time it would have been good it was it's a fucking sorcery Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it sits in the format. It might be a cyborg card, but I'm definitely not uh, giving it a shot in the main deck anymore. I just wish that card was an instant because, and I realize this is a this is a limited podcast for this week, but 
It doesn't do, as you say, it doesn't do anything in limited. And if it had been instant, that would have pushed it so much more for eternal formats, yep, especially agreed. formats with Ren and Six, where yep, at the moment it's yep. just like, it being a sorcery, and then you compare it to Abrupt Decay, it's just like, it's so painful. Yeah, it doesn't. It just, and like the, the bottom text, like target opponent loses two life, you gain two life. Like you almost always, if you cast the card, you almost always choose that. And you don't want to choose that. Like that's no. just not what you want to ever, ever have happen on your card with, with four choices. So yeah, that's, that's a big fat F for me. Uh, the next one is interesting and I'm sure that there is a debate to have, but Fracture, which is the white-black instant destroy target artifact, enchantment, or planeswalker. I've had this in a f uh, probably a couple of decks. I've main decked it, and the fact that this thing can't kill creatures is just shocking to me. I, I can't find targets for it. So that's interesting to me, because I wouldn't have assumed that was playable. I looked at that and thought, that's a cyborg card, and I'm playing best of one, so I never play it, because it looks like it's just naturalized, right? Okay, so. I thought when I seen the card that it was just two mana uh, Vindicate without destroying a land. So that is right. why I started with it. I thought it was just much better. Yeah, if it could hit creatures, it would be much better. It would be Well, I tried, to, <laughs> I tried to target the creature and it wouldn't <laughs> let me. So that card is, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's definitely a cyborg card. But it's, even 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 in its saying, like it says, obviously it's two mana instant, and it has the planeswalker text on it. It's got some niche application. Like maybe you can flip it as a twenty third card and hope to like cool somebody with their Professor Onyx or whatever I mean, her name is. Yeah, but there's there's like all the planeswalkers are mythic as as they always are. So like your chance of playing against them is just oh, so agreed. low. Yeah, yeah, but yes, obviously, like I suppose just. Maybe as a broad, maybe as a broad strokes topic, we can just say that naturalize in the main deck hasn't been impressive to me. No, it hasn't, and that's what's interesting is that we just come from Kaldheim, where it was completely playable in the main deck. There were so many powerful artifacts, not only the equipment, but just a lot of the uncommons and rares that were really powerful were artifacts or some enchantments, but mostly artifacts. And I think this yeah. card would have been totally main deckable in Kaldheim, but yeah, absolutely. In this format, there's I think there's one uncommon equipment. Or two uncommon equipment, maybe? And Yeah, there's two, yeah. There's the big thing, one of the big things I think is important to note is there's no pacifisms in this format. White no. and blue both don't have a pacifism or a claustrophobia effect, which makes a lot of the sacrifice effects worse, which is understandable, right? Putting a pacifism in the set where one of the five archetypes is built around sacrifice would feel terrible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's important to note. One of the things we sort of haven't talked about too much yet, but that I think is an important thing that adds some flavour to this format, is Mystical Archive. What has been your experience with these Mystical Archive cards in draft? I wish they weren't there. <laughs> Fair enough. They're just, like, some of them are just too powerful. They, they don't need to be there. Um, I will agree with that. I recently beat a red-white deck that cast Day of Judgment three times and sword and Swords to Plowshares twice in the same game. Yeah, and yeah. I, just... I, I don't know. Like, I've pe I've had people cast Jurassic against me and miss. Like, I've had people Swords my guy. I've cast Time Walk. People cast me pass me Cultivates all the time. Like these cards, like they they they're busted. There's yeah. there's so many powerful cards here. Um, 
I appreciate what they're doing with uh, obviously the Mystical Archive and how they're getting it into the older formats, but I just think they could have been done as maybe another. They just didn't need to impact this format. I think some of them play well. I think cards like Adventurous Impulse, The Gate, uh, Thrill of Possibility, even like Electrolyze, Infuriate. Electrolyze no, is really good. Electrolyze is probably too good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of two ones in this format. Um, Maybe like I even th- I think cultivate's too good for this for this format. I think cultivate um, just fits so perfectly in especially blue green, but any green deck that it's it's so good. Like the second like, land matters. Yeah, I, I've been incredible incredibly impressed by it. Because like op strategic planning, snakeskin veil, Urza's rage, shock, they're all fine. That that yeah. that's fine with me. They're all just flat to flat to slightly above rate power level that I'm happy to have in a in a format. But when you've got fucking swords to play our shares, time warp, bloody, I don't know. My very first draft of this format. Cards. My very first draft of this format, which oh, the blue I sun. very season, yeah, very easily got to seven wins. Played blue green. I had a blue sun zenith in my deck, and I won more than half of my games by just decking my opponent. Like draw my entire deck, make you draw fourteen, untap, make you draw fourteen, and it was completely absurd. Though, yeah. the thing I'll say about Blue Suns is that there is a there is a normal rare in this format that's also essentially 3x draw x. So there is another big x spell, which has been quite good, but that one doesn't kill your opponent. Yeah, it's not nearly as good as, as Green Sun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are some cards There are some cards that I, I think are, are pretty bad from the Mystical Archive as well, but I mean, <laughs> just like, whatever. They shouldn't be, again, they yeah. just shouldn't be there. Yeah, so broadly, I think I agree with you that some of the cards are interesting. Cultivate's a bit pushed, but, like, Opt is interesting. Shock's kind of cool. Snakesing Veil's really nice. I like the variety, although it does make it a little bit frustrating because you can't really play around any of these Mystical Archive cards. So, like, Snakeskin Veil especially, quite frustrating. Yeah. Getting blown yeah. out by Snakeskin Veil is like, yeah. well... I just I wasn't gonna play around it anyway. I have I haven't been there yet, but I'm guaranteed it'll happen. I have, I have I've had my expensive removal spell blown out by Snakeskin Veil, and it was it was gross. Um, and yeah, we we did that last format, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but last format you it was reasonable to play around it because it was a good common. This time it's it's like in some weird slot. Broadly though, so I agree with you. There's also some real stinkers like Revitalize. What? Why? I think. I don't know, dude. The life gain deck's not even in white. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why that card's been in multiple of the late last <laughs> sets with no life gain attached to it. I don't get that. The only four, but that's fine. It's fine. It's, it's. Sorry, that is that is okay when it's in those actual sets. When it's in, when it's in one of the card, the, uh, the card numbers. I don't mind that because, and I've said this a, f- a f- well, more than a few times lately, the amount of playable cards that we get in the actual sets themselves. Take away the Mystical Archetype. Just put the however many, like 275 cards are in this set. It's okay to have some misses. It's okay to have some cards that, you know, are revitalized, are revitalized cards like Excavator Wall or, or, you know, Fs, whatever. It's okay to have them because five, six, 10, 12 years, and go, yeah, the, the further you go back, the worse it gets. There was, not every card was playable. Even mm-hmm. we had sets where half the cards in the packs were playable. So it's okay to have these cards. But to, then again, to reprint them in Mystical Archive, it's just, it's another thing that I just yeah. don't quite get. Outside of 
obviously introducing some of the cards into the historic format, like you know, Demonic Tutor, Thoughtseize, etc., etc. Those cards are great because you know they're there for a reason. The cards like Revitalized, they just don't belong there. Well, so that's the one that gets me is Demonic Tutor is not legal in historic. Well, that's also true. But, ones. but that's probably yeah. reasonable. I think we could do a whole podcast on historic, and lots of other people have done that, and neither of us play a huge amount of historic. The one that makes me sad is that Tainted Pact is unplayable. I was so excited to play a Tainted Pact Oracle of Thassa deck. Apparently, it's just impossible to do because you can't click through the interface fast enough before you get yeah. roped out because it doesn't that's reset right. your rope. Just go play a Highlander. You can do it there. Yeah, but then I have to own, like, dual lands. I said this last week. Just ask people nicely. They'll, they'll, they will lend them to you. Highlander community is awesome. It's true. The Highlander community is absolutely fantastic. They are. So broadly, Mystical Archive has some cool cards, has some really just BS cards. And the problem, I think, is that a lot of them, it's the rares and mythics, right? The same as in your normal rare slot. But the problem is now there's two rare slots, essentially. So you're, like, twice as likely to get a dumb, busted card. Hmm. Is there a true name? True name in this? No, thank God. No, okay. That was in. That's time spot. You yeah, you, you okay. mentioned you mentioned how the old sets used to have a lot more unplayables, and that did actually make me think of time spot remastered, which we drafted last Friday. And that's a remastered set, so they've actually taken a lot of the unplayable cards out. But even so, drafting it compared to modern sets and looking at the number of cards that are just really mediocre, and I don't want to put in my deck. Mm. There's a stark difference. Yeah, I think you just really need to understand the formats in order to be able to draft True Name Nemesis. Hmm. Yeah, well, it was certainly interesting watching it be on a limited battlefield. <laughs> was it? I don't think it was interesting at all. That's true, actually. No, you're right. I misspoke. It wasn't interesting at all. It was mildly interesting watching people work out how to beat it, but... I had the best idea. <laughs> what was that? I just conceded. <laughs> to be fair, at one point, so for those, we, we should explain this. When we did this time trial remaster draft, someone opened a true name nemesis and obviously took it and played it. Of the games he played it, at one point he'd lost, I think, three of the four games he cast it in. Surely not. Yeah, he, he lost at least two of the first three. I think he lost the fourth one as well. Just like it came down too late and his opponent had four creatures. And- or, you know, that sort of thing. I think one game maybe it got damnationed, which, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he won that match. <laughs> Handily. <laughs> and played True Name Nemesis both games. <laughs> there, is a, there is a strict correlation between resolving True Name Nemesis and winning, winning yeah. tournaments of Magic. Yeah, there really is. Is there a True Name Nemesis in this format? <laughs> In terms of what's like the a, what's the true name nemesis in this format? So, like, what's the m- most busted card? I'm on Professor Onyx currently. Are we are we including Mystical Archive? No. Okay, that narrows it down because I'm pretty sure it's a Mystical Archive. Otherwise, although you know, one that has been surprisingly not that great is Natural Order. I've opened yeah. that several times, and the best thing you can get is is Bookworm. Still pretty good. It's still pretty good. You have, you have to have the bookworm before you can take the thing. Yeah, and you have two bookworms. What's, no, so what's yeah. what's the best musical archive card in your opinion? It might just be blue suns, maybe. Blue sun. 
Day of Judgment's pretty good. Uh... Surely there's better cards than Day of Judgment in the main deck, in the main set. Like, Professor, you, you would rather have Professor Onyx than Day of Judgment, not close, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. I'm just looking at the rares now, like... Like, Blot Out the Sky is kind of insane. Yeah, it's... That, that one's definitely up there. Uh, I think Dramatic Finale is actually really good. Yep. But obviously, like, you have to be a cast it. It's, it's a black-white gold card. Uh... I've seen the blue... The, the blue-red Planeswalker, Will. Will is really nice, too. Is it? That's good. I have one of those in the user deck. I'm going to play after this. Yeah, okay. Really nice. Yeah, I think Professor Onyx is the best card in the set so far, but that I've also played with that card. Oh, have you? And uh, it's it's as good as you would assume it to be. It's definitely I would, an A+. Plus. I would say, so that's probably true, but the card I most want to open is actually Mascot Exhibition. Because it's a lesson. This is the seven. Oh, is that the, the seven mana mythic lesson? Tokens? Yeah, it makes. Well, it doesn't make all of them. It makes the two one flyer, the three two ground creature, and the four four ground creature. Yeah, sure. But not the pest or the. Anyway, I have had that in one of my drafts, and the fact that you would just end up with like five, six learn cards, so you just always have access to it, and it's really yeah, it's that is quite, quite good. good. Yeah. yeah, I think you might be right though. It might be Professor Onyx is the most powerful card, which honestly is not so bad. It's actually, like, a lot of the rares and mythics are very good, right? But most of them aren't actually unbeatable. No, I think maybe maybe Shadrach Silverquill and the Lawhold big seven drop dragons are pretty insane. Like, obviously, the, sorry, and the Quandrix one. They're yeah. all... Actually, no, to be honest, look... All the legendary dragons are insane. Actually, the Wither Baladros Witherbloom I haven't been as impressed by as I thought. Uh, I've played against it a few times. I've actually managed to beat it a few times. It's not just like the game ends. I think when the other four lords I, come down, it kind of they kind of do end. I've beaten the Law Hold one. I'll be honest. It five five isn't that big, so if they don't hit well, and they're going to be tapped out after playing it, so it's going to replace itself. It's going to gain for five. But if they don't hit a really impactful spell, it dies to a lot of stuff, to be honest. Like, I mean, not a did, lot. I mean, it's a 5-5, five, five, but... I was going to say, you did say before that the fact that it's a 5-5 five, five means that it dodges. It dodges yeah, a lot of sorry, so it dodges a fair amount, but I think it dies to, like, Mage Jewel a fair bit. There's a common deal 5 in red, which is not that great. It's 5 mana. There's a decent amount of black removal spells that hit it. So it dodges a lot of stuff because it's a 5-5, five, five, but... In terms of being a busted card, I do think Professor Onyx is better. Agreed. Strongly agree. Yeah, which... Is, is good. Yeah, pretty good, to be honest. I mean, it's interesting. We, we did this, remember, a few weeks ago. We looked at the Coldheim Mythics, and they're, like, more than half of them are just straight-up unbeatable, and I don't think that's true here. Yeah, agreed. There's also a lot of good removal in this set. There is. There is. There's also quite a lot of good removal here. That's for sure. I also think it's a little bit more interesting in a gold set because it's it's like it's less reliant on exactly what you open. Yeah, sure. And some of these cards are really hard to cast. There's a bunch of like there's two mythics here that are tr like double triple cost, so like triple blue and triple green. That's not trivial to cast at all. It's not splashable. 
the we talked about the rares that are four hybrid mana, and they're all decent, and they're mm. really hard to cast. So overall, then, how are you feeling about this format? Still very early on, but how do you feel about it? Yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of depth to it. The drafts are interesting. Um, the games are very interesting. I'm finding the learn mechanic. I think everybody's praising how good the learn, mecha- the learn mechanic is, and I'm um, definitely on board with it. I think um, I think the best part about this, and it was similar to Keldheim, although I, I'd be interested to see how interesting this format stays comparative to how long Keldheim stayed interesting. When Keldheim rotated out everybody still could draft the format and the the format wasn't boring i think the format the drafting format was interesting and the games were less interesting i think that the drafting process for this might be might dull comparatively to cal time but i think the games might meet might stay more interesting i strongly agree with that already having done so i've done twice as many drafts as you i possibly not played a ton more games but i've done twice as many actual drafts and already the drafts are getting more predictable because there's so much emphasis on finding your lane and as i've i sort of talked about this earlier before we started recording but as you climb the ranks what i've found is i play against more and more team decks especially you occasionally play against black white or red-white decks, but Teamer mostly in some Golgari decks. And because of the way Arena works, in that you you play against people of the same rank, but you don't draft with people of the same rank, mm-hmm. I have a hypothesis that the higher-ranked players more often end up in those Teamer decks, primarily, because they know, or they think, that those decks tend to be better, and the less experienced, or the, the people who haven't drafted as much don't realise that as much. And it just means that you're even more likely to end up in these, like the better, in air quotes, archetypes, because you're drafting with less experienced drafters. And so sure. it becomes more and more obvious and more and more and more about just like finding the open lane and or often like hedging towards that lane. I've started now just like more aggressively taking, especially Quandrix gold cards to try and yeah, like sure. sort of push towards that lane from early on. Mm-hmm. And I do think, yeah, the drafts will become a little bit less interesting just because there's probably, like, at most 10 decks, but even, like, the Quandrix decks have all felt the same. I think there's two very distinct Witherbloom decks. There's, like, the more sacrifice versions and the more life gain versions. Yeah, sure. There's probably two Lawhold decks. There's maybe I still think there's an aggressive deck there, and there's the Grindier decks. I think those decks are a bit more interesting because I don't understand them yet. So to me, they're a little bit more interesting of like trying to crack that puzzle of how to make the machine fit together. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely see it, yeah, tailing off a bit. Whereas, whereas Cal Time, there's so many micro synergies, even within nominally the same archetype, all of the changeling and tribal stuff just makes you pay attention to every single bit and every single yeah. card. And it'll be interesting to yep. see where this goes. I also think yeah, I've yeah, done yeah. so many drafts already. I think I probably only did. 15 Kaldheim drafts, and I've already done 12 drafts of this, so it's sort of, you know, it's very different. You mean, me. you mean by the, the same the same time period? 
No, I mean like total across all of Kaldheim. I think I drafted it. Well, maybe more than maybe it was like twenty, twenty twenty five. But it. Are you talking about in paper or or? Overall? No, I'm talking about total across like arena oh. and everything. Oh. So I don't think I got quite as deep into it as I probably sure. will for. Strict saving, so it's a bit okay. it's a bit disingenuous okay. for me to be like, well, it's four days in, and I already feel like it's not as good. But like, I've done twelve drafts, and yeah. I only did twenty. Call it sure, Calheim, so, sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah, I think by my metric of where I am now, comparative to when Calheim came out, I probably would have done maybe half of half as many. I I got hooked on like Calheim was like a drug to me. I absolutely love that. So I still love that set, but yeah, taking like, you taking that away and, and putting it here I, i've also i think what i said before is, is it's really um it's really really nice that the the games are interesting because i think that's one of the things that falls flat with drafts is and it's 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 it, it's echoed through time for for limited and and a lot of the pros say it like they'll do a draft at a table and that after the draft you know and there might be a cash draft or whatever they'll just turn their, their deck strap face up and then they'll just declare who would have won because yep. they don't want to play the games. They just they're interested in the drafting process. I and feel I'm that. the I'm the same. I've always been the same. Like I like f- trying to figure out at a table who's where, who's doing what, why they're doing it and where I'm supposed to be in conjunction. That's the fun part to me. But yeah. playing these games has also been a lot of fun and I hope that that re- I think that that will retain its uh its value for for a fair while. Yeah, I strongly agree that I I I'm exactly the same. I really enjoy drafting and I often don't enjoy playing the games. The, the interesting thing to me is navigating the draft. And in fact, I think it's actually the thing that I suffer most. I've reflecting on this. Um, I don't know if we talked about, I'm sure you covered this last week, in fact, but I went 0-3 in the sealed event at Good Games Greensboro a couple of weeks ago. And my deck was definitely subpar. You've seen the pool now. In fact, you had a bit of a go at building it. It was below average but not like a total stinker and i just didn't play the games that well because i don't enjoy playing limited games often i just i'm as a result i often don't pay as much attention i hadn't had as much practice playing them whereas i'm good at drafting like i knew the draft format but the games themselves aren't as interesting and as you say though at the moment this format has been interesting i think part of that is there's so much combat based like it feels like the battlefields are much are very important caldheim for example was a lot of putting together your synergy and going over the top or you know putting together your synergy and whether your synergy is like mana fixing and snow cards or whether it's like a battlefield raptor and three equipment but it's about like doing your thing yeah. Whereas this feels a lot more interactive of like I play some creatures, you play some creatures, there's a lot of who's the beatdown and working out, am I meant to attack? Am I meant to trade? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. How do I if I use this bounce spell here, like can Not I push more... tempo? Like just jockeying. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And there's less there's less defined roles. I think cow time, especially with these like ridiculous aggro decks and at the other end the ponderous snow decks, a lot of matches you sat down and through the first three turns it was like, Oh, I'm the control deck. Like, I'm a much yeah. bigger deck than you. I'm just going to play defensive and I'll win eventually. This hasn't had that as much because all the decks are much more mid-rangey and towards the middle. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, great point. All right, well, that will wrap us up for this week. I'm sure we will talk more limited next week. Even once we drag Dan or Kyle back on, we'll we'll keep talking limited and see 
where we've got to and what we've learned because we are only four days into this format and hopefully it stays good and hopefully it continues to evolve so thank you for listening to the faction podcast this week i'm ian this has been trent and we will see you next week